But teams start to overplay that. They know we're going to do that. So what do you do? Well, show that. You know, I like to fake the bubble and throw a tunnel backside, for example. But not early in the year. That's one of those things where we build, start building that in. We start the install of that week two or three to be able to run it week seven or eight. Because I want to build that tendency where they haven't seen it and it's something new. We want to have new wrinkles. The self-scout is an invaluable tool for any offensive coordinator. It involves a thorough analysis of your own team's offensive tendencies and performance and helps you identify patterns in your play calling and maximizing your strengths and weaknesses. Ultimately, self-scouting promotes adaptability and unpredictability, which are key elements in outsmarting that opposing defensive coordinator. It provides a roadmap for improvement, making us more versatile and better equipped to win by constantly evolving and staying one step ahead of the opponent. That's what we'll be discussing with James Vint today. We take a look at simple ways to look at the data which are efficient with your time, yet produce actionable information to put your offense in a position to win. The actionable part are the wrinkles and adjustments that you strategically implement as the season rolls on. We cover all of those with Coach Vint. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. As we hit the midseason, a lot of things come to mind that are really important on the offensive side of the ball, especially in terms of what you do as a coordinator. One of those big things being self-scout, and we're going to kick things off with that idea, and joining me to do that is a guy who I've known for a long time, has done a great job in his coaching career, not actively coaching right now, but continuing to help develop coaches, and that's James Vint. James, great to have you back here on the podcast. Great to be with you, Keith. So let's kick this idea off, the self-scout. And I think we've all been here to the point where there are so many things 
that we get doing as coaches that sometimes you set things aside and maybe you don't do that self-scout for a week or two. But when you're hitting the middle of the season, I mean, you know, depending where you're at, I mean, this is the meat of a conference or league. Uh, this is a district schedule. There's some really important games here that you have to get. And if you you don't do that self-scout properly, you can get out coached. You can lose a game because of it. Yeah, and we've had that happen where a defensive coordinator did a really good job of preparing for us. And I didn't. He scouted us well. I didn't scout us well. And after the game and you start to look and you see that when we called certain things that seemed like they were always in the perfect defense. And I looked back and said, well, I probably would have called the same thing defensively because, you know, in that situation, in that formation, we're 96% run and it's 80% this concept. So most places you're playing some non-conference or non-district games early in the year. And then you get into your district games and your conference games. And I think it's very important that you understand your opponents are going to look at some of your game film, depending on what your league rules are down in Texas, typically they're going to get three games during the season. And then when you get to the playoffs at anywhere from five games to all the games, you need to look at the same things they're looking at. And it doesn't need to be a deeply involved five hour study, but you need to have some basic points of reference on what your run pass percentages are based on down and distance, based on field zone, based on formation, and then your hash tendencies. And I think if you have an understanding of those things, it helps you to understand what your opponent's going to look for, what they're going to expect. And then you can make some adjustments to say, well, we're 90% run there and we run power, you know, 65% of the time in that situation, let's run power pass. Let's put play action in off of it. Or let, if it's, you know, a stretch play or veer, let's put a reverse in, let's put something in that will take advantage of that movement. But take them to clear another part of the field that we're going to take advantage of that space, if that makes sense. Definitely. You're spot on there that you will have tendencies. And I've always viewed tendencies that they're, they're not a good thing or a bad thing necessarily, but there's something you really need to be aware of because you have to decide, do I want to break this tendency now? Do I want to carry this tendency into the game? Do I, with this game where I feel like maybe we could do a little bit more, do I want to start to mask that tendency so I can go back to really doing what I love in those situations later? And there's multiple approaches to that. You know, I can think of times both at the high school and the college level where there's a package we would put in that I didn't plan on really using maybe in, in, in the next game, but I wanted it on film because I wanted to take time from somebody and to get their focus off of what I really wanted to do. But, you know, there'd also be those points where, okay, you know, I know we're 90% in here. I'm not ready to break it yet. We don't need to break it this week. We can stick with this and, you know, be able to move things on that way. So, like I said, I think it starts with the premise that you will have tendencies and, again, not viewing those as good or bad. Well, and I think you bring up a great point to that. Sometimes as an offensive coordinator, I want to do things to build a tendency that we can break later. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. We're going to do this now so that we can do something else later. It's kind of like in a game where you call things to set things up. Well, when you think long-term and globally with your season, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing. And something else that goes with the self scout, not only do I want to know our tendencies, 
But I want to know what the data says because the data is not emotional. The data does not lie. The data is a truth teller. Sometimes I think a concept's really good because maybe we had something good happen. And then I look back and I say, well, that really isn't very good. Or a concept's really good one way, but not very good the other way. So something I also do with that self-scout data is I go through and what are our best formations? Is our identity really our best? Because our identity concept should be our most consistent. Is it really? Does the data say that? And then I look back at the beginning of the year where we said, okay, these are the things we are going to do. We're going to be good at these things. And I look at that midseason data to see if we're calling the things that we thought would be good, number one. And number two, are they as good as we think? And when we get into the meat of the schedule, what is really our best concept? What is the best thing we have? Because, you know, you have injuries. You play people that maybe your identity plays into their strength a little bit. So I want to know, what do we really need to do for the next, you know, three, four, five weeks leading into making a playoff run? Yeah, I think you hit on some important things there and some things I want to go through point by point. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective. So I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. First, starting just with the data and I think it's it's the sweet spot you know when we're talking about in most situations I mean unless you have an incredible support staff and you're in a bigger program we have all kinds of analysts I mean you're doing this work yourself and so you don't want to uh, go, go too shallow into the data but you also don't need to get lost in it you need to find that sweet spot where it's going to be helpful but it's not overwhelming uh, as an example, just the easiest way to point this out is, you know, you may take a run scheme. Let's, let's just go as basic as counter. Counter's on my mind because just watching, you know, Florida State and Alex Atkins, and they were number one in the country in counter and, you know, ran it 16 times in the, you know, their first game and still were getting some good efficiency out of it. But that idea, like you may have, let's say a counter play that you ran, you know, as you hit mid season, let's say you ran it 30 times and it has like an incredible average per carry, but you go back through and there were like five long runs and it's not incredibly efficient, right? Maybe not reaching those efficiency goals has some big plays for you might be explosive at times, but something overall that isn't as good as you thought from down to down, right? You're counting on, you know, a big play and maybe you out athlete somebody or whatever it might be. So, where is that sweet spot of, of finding the right amount of data? And for you, I guess, what are some of those key data points? The great thing now, because this has changed a lot since, since, you know, we started our career. Because in the early days, 
we didn't have all this data just at the click of a button. Everything had to be manipulated. But a couple of the key things that I'm going to look at, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take each run concept, and now you can filter and sort in about two seconds, and you can run reports. You know, you can run reports on Huddle. You can export it to Excel if you're an Excel person. But right in, just right in the Huddle reporting, I use Recon which is what I've used for the last several years, which is really easy. But even within just your huddle reporting, you can just click and run a summary report and you can see all your percentages right now. And then you can start to look at your play concepts. And that's what I want to do is I want to know when we're running counter to the right, what is our average yards, how many times we run it, what's our average yards per play, and then how many explosives and how many negative plays did we have. And then if we've had one explosive, and so, like you said, sometimes you're going to have a 95-yard run. And that 95-yard run makes the negative two and the negative three and the zeros and ones and twos look a lot better in the numbers. Right. But those put you behind the chains, and that's a big part of the efficiency. So that's a couple of things I'm going to look at. I want to know the concepts, how many yards we average on the concept, how many explosives we had, and how many negatives. And I, wanna, I just want to look at that for our base run plays. And then for pass plays, I want to look at completion percentage. I want to look at average yards per completion. So when we complete it, how many yards do we average on that play? And then I'm going to look at are we calling it enough? And just to give you an example of, of a little thing we found. So we're big inside zone. That was our identity. You know, back in 2019, I can tell you, I was running this report right for district. And I also love to run four verticals, all right? I'm a, I believe you take shots. Yep. You have to take shots. And the shots, you don't even need to complete them, but you need to get the DB coach yelling at the corner and safety to get them out of the run game because we don't run the ball. But I also want explosives. We were throwing a lot of shots off of split zone play action. So making it look like we're running zone read with a, you know, a cruiser or a, a back, you know, our H-back crossing the formation because we run that a lot. And we were only completing our four verticals off of that. We were only completing that 10% of the time. When we ran our catch, one, two, throw, where we're throwing the vertical 26 yards downfield, picking a matchup pre-snap and getting the ball out quick, we were completing those at 50% and averaging 36 yards every time we completed it. We'd thrown six touchdown passes on that. So I wasn't calling that as much as I was calling the four verticals off play action and having the quarterback flash fake, reset his feet. Well, what was happening was it was messing with his eyes and he wasn't able to go through an inside-outside progression on four verticals. What we found through the data is instead of calling something he's not good at and we're not good at, let's call something we're really good at and throw it a lot. There's some important things to point out too as you get into the passing game without going down rabbit holes, you can also start to identify where are we going with the ball on these. I, I mean, I, I find it very important that within any concept, you do need to find a way to hit those rhythm throws where your first read on the last step of the drop, you know, where, you know, Dan Gonzalez would call it an advantage route. Uh, but, you mm -hmm. know, you have that route where you should be able to hit that. Because if you're not, if you're always moving to two, three scramble you know 
that isn't necessarily an efficient play too. So it can tell you a lot, you know, if you do go a little bit deeper into what are the routes we're hitting. Now, is that something you looked at? And I guess in your report or in your data, how did you account for that? Or what was the column that you put in that would help you discern those things? Huddle gives great data. All right. Huddle has really good data. They don't have pinpointed data. So, I looked, I used Excel, and when I used Excel, I could pull it up and pull the, all those concepts and pull just the completions up. And that's how you do it in Huddle, is you'd filter it, make a playlist, and within Recon, I just upload the data and it gives it to me. So I get the concept name, and then with, you know, the protection and or the play action and the concept, I look at the completion percentage, and then average yards per completion. So within Huddle, you can do that by filtering just that play concept, make a playlist, and then you can run a summary report. Yes. And it'll get you close. And at least you can look at it and say, okay, now I know. And the other deal is, too, who are we throwing the ball to? Right. We're going to go into games with what I call him balls, him concepts. They're designed for him, whoever he is. Everybody got to be. You all got your best dude. I, you know, what are our concepts to get that dude the ball where the quarterback is going to throw to him and I can set it up with some some degree of certainty that that guy will be open or at least will be the best option. Take the thinking out of it, especially with young quarterbacks. I think sometimes as coaches, Keith, and I don't know if you've done this, I have. I got arrogant in my coaching ability and thought that I could coach a kid to do something he wasn't prepared to do at that moment of his career. He wasn't mature enough, didn't have the experience, and I found it as I got older that it became much easier to say, all right, let's simplify this for this young quarterback or this quarterback that maybe has certain skill sets, but when the lights are on, he struggles to go through a progression, so let me simplify all of that. I think you hit on an important point that, you know, and this this really goes back to the data can help you with identifying these things. The self scout can help you with identifying these things. That uh, if if you have a concept that you're only hitting maybe one or two guys in that concept, and it's you know maybe that is by design, and then it's okay because you know about it. But what can you do with those other routes? How can you make those complementary? If you never get to that part of the progression, what is it that you can do to help make that better. And there's all kinds of tools. We're not going to get into the X's and O's and how you can do it. Uh, but it is, again, fitting that. So down the line, that team isn't, you know, taking their coverage to a certain guy and now your play's dead and you're scrambling, right? That it's important that you know those things and you're either going to work on it in practice, as you said, Maybe you can get that guy to become better through just awareness of, hey, did you know in this particular concept you always hit this guy? You never take a look here, and we've had this open X amount of times. It at least allows you to start asking why to him. Uh, maybe he wasn't aware of mm -hmm. it. So you can coach him up on it, or you can say, you know what, this is not going to work for us moving down the line. While it's been good here in the early season, while it's been good to the midseason, boy, we're going to get in trouble if we think that this is going to win for us and we keep calling it because people will find a way to, to take it away. As you said, they're running that scouting report too, and they, they sometimes do know about you. If you're not looking at it closely, they might know about you better than you do.
That's right. And I think you bring up a great point with it when you talk about complementary concepts. With our run game, you know, every concept has a complement. Things are built off other things. Um, counter is built off of our front side, inside zone action. You know, that's how we started to build counter to take advantage of that. And then we had, when we ran midline, you know, we had, if they do this, here's our answer. The if-then scenarios, you know, if they're gap exchanging, then we're running the give scheme. If the Sam's falling in, we're running the pitch scheme and it becomes mid triple. And if the backside inside backer is over the top, we're going to come back with um, follow opposite. It's the same thing with the pass game. We throw a lot of fast screens and bubbles off the run game. You know, I've talked about that for years, taking advantage of space and where probably 60% of our passes are actually off of runs, not necessarily post-snap RPOs, but just paired plays, essentially. But teams start to overplay that. They know we're going to do that. So what do you do? Well, show that. You know, I like to fake the bubble and throw a tunnel backside, for example, but not early in the year. That's one of those things where we start building that in. We start the install of that week two or three to be able to run it week seven or eight because I want to build that tendency where they haven't seen it and it's something new. We want to have new wrinkles. The, the deal that we faced a few years ago when we did that was the guy we were throwing most of our fast screens and bubbles to because we'd move him around and he was the guy. We needed him to catch the screen on the backside also and we couldn't clone him. The kid we were throwing the screen to is a good athlete, but not as good of an athlete, so it wasn't as explosive. So I stole a defensive back. This is something for coaches to think about too. Put your best dudes on the field. If you're in a program that, where, you know, you don't have a lot of guys, it's a smaller program. I've been there. You're going to have kids playing both ways. That's great. But if you're in a big school where you have kids too platooning, but you have a really good athlete, maybe that plays corner, and you're an OC, steal him for five minutes of practice and teach him to do one or two really simple things that he can do and then put him in the game and let him get the ball. That's what we did with a kid named Kiki Murray. A few years back, Kiki's a corner. He's a great corner. But he also he was kind of the quarterback of the defense. But they started giving him to me just a few minutes a week. And Kiki could run a vertical. We taught Kiki how to run a tunnel screen. And we taught him how to run a slant route. And he didn't have to learn the whole playbook. He just had to learn a couple of things. And now we got to get a really good athlete the ball. And he became the guy on the backside that we could throw that tunnel screen to. And you know, you tell him to ride the wave, and I just told Kiki, go score. You know, we're not going to overcoach you. You're an athlete. I agree with that 100%. I would do it all the time. I'm thinking back to my first play call as a college offensive coordinator. It was a play action, and we had this guy on our team who was 6'5". He was a defensive end. He, he had a cup of coffee, I think, with Seattle and the Bengals just in camp. He was 6'5", and he ran like a, a 4'3'6'40". As a defensive end, um, you know, just <laughs> cause a ton of problems for those guys on the other side of the ball. But I said, I need this guy, and I just need him to do a few things. And so, you know, that was my first call as a, a college offensive coordinator. I took him on a play-action pass, taught him, like, I need you to run down this hash, and here's where you look for the ball, and then go score. And he did it. So it made me look really smart on my first call. But, you know, it was all about that play. It was about him, as you said. And, you know, I think it's just a smart concept, right? Look at those tools and what you need. Where can you fit them in? As you said, you were missing something there that you needed. So 
you found that guy. And I think, you know, getting into that idea of, of wrinkles, and that's one process for adding a, a wrinkle. And you mentioned even, you know, looking ahead that we want to add this down the line. So for you, what is that process both of, hey, we need some things this week, but also I know I'm going to need this later and I better start getting some reps for it right now. So how do you look at building those wrinkles and the right time to use those? Well, typically we're, we want something new coming into district or something that we're setting up during our district season and then something that we're going to set up to make a deep playoff run. So our kids know we're putting in a new formation of the week every week. There's going to be something new that our opponent's going to see. And I'm not talking about putting in trips. You know, I'm talking about unbalanced, you know, a four-man surface. You know, we're going to put something in that they haven't seen, that they have to prepare for. One year, it was the Lonesome Polecat. We were getting ready to play a very, very good football team. We ran swing and gate. We just put the Polecat in. There was no way that we were going to legally line up and beat them. Now, we could cheat and do some things probably to win, but we're not going to do that. But we put the Polecat in. But we couldn't put it in in one week. We started putting it in the week before, knowing, hey, next week we're going to do this, but let's introduce it. So what I like to do, Keith, is introduce something a week or two before we're actually going to put that concept in, before we're going to put that compliment in, and not spend a lot of time on it, but like pre-practice, go through it, and then work it in during the week in our you know group period call it once or twice in our team period so that the next week it's not new when we actually want to install it. So it builds some memory recall for our players and helps them to be a little more confident with it when we actually put it in. We have that pretty much mapped out before the season starts, but there are times during the, uh, during the season that we'll say, you know, we're starting to get people to overplay this concept. We're getting ready to play this team. They're going to bracket our best guy, but that's going to leave them open somewhere else. So is there something we need to put in? So what we do then, if it's just something that we decide, because you're going to have this as a coach, we're all going to draw stuff on the board. Don't draw too much because it'll make you not as smart as you think on Friday night. But then we're going to say, all right, we're going to introduce this Monday in meetings. Then we're going to do it in walkthrough, free practice. We're going to get out and walk through it. And then we're going to work that in a group period. And then we are going to work it in a team period, not necessarily with a, in a, an 11 on 11 scout look. It may be guys with bags. It may be with barrels for defenders, but then we'll run through it that way. And we'll get, if we can't run it on air, we aren't going to be able to run it against people. So we're going to get it good, get it to where we can run it on air before we try to run it against 11 dudes especially scout team dudes that probably aren't going to line up where the card says anyway and do what the card says they're supposed to do. Yeah, I think building those plans out in advance is just really smart. Use, I would use that same procedure, especially for trick plays, gadget plays. Typically, those have some unique ball handling. They maybe have somebody doing a skill that they're not typically used to. And I would try to isolate those skills, whatever it might be. If it was, you know, you're throwing a, a hitch and, you know, a hook and ladder, you know, just working those two guys in a, a pre-practice period for a few minutes and maybe their backups on just that skill, right? Or it's a double pass and just, you know, getting the two guys out there. It doesn't even have to be the quarterback, but throwing him the ball and then letting him catch and throw, right? Just all those little things 
you have to think about. You don't necessarily have to run that full rep all the time when you just need them to start working on a skill. Maybe like you said, it was your guy and he's going to come in and run a bubble, but he hasn't done that yet. You might not use him for a while. Hey, let's start you running some bubbles here. Just need to get you used to you know, the footwork of this, where the ball is going to be, all those kinds of things. It's just going to make it so much smoother when it's time to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, and, and the other part of it is, too, that sometimes we don't necessarily think ahead the way we should. It's okay. Reset it right now. You can reset it and say, all right, hey, let's take a few minutes and let's talk about what we want to do for that next step. To wrap things up for coaches and summarize this whole thing, a, a final thought on this whole process, taking it from the self-scout all the way to adding that wrinkle, what advice do you have for coaches? But the biggest thing is don't try to do too much. All right. Don't have so much in the, I look at it as a, as a jar of marbles. You can put so many marbles in the jar and then eventually you can't fit anymore and the jar is going to break. That's kind of how I look at our install with our players as we go through the season. Once you get the jar full of marbles, you can only add some sand to fill in the spaces. All right. So as you go through and you get into the season, know, what the capacity of learning is for your players because you're only going to get 50 to 75 snaps a game. You don't want wasted reps. You don't want wasted snaps. You don't want plays that basically were dead before they started because someone's going to go the wrong way or step the wrong way. So I believe in keeping it simple and take a few minutes to go ahead. 15 minutes is what I spend on self-scout. That's it. 15, maybe 20 minutes is what it takes for me to get a little picture if I know that we're facing a defensive coordinator that's going to be really super well prepared, I may look just a little bit deeper, but not much more time. Cause like you said, we don't have the analysts, so I'm not going to dive too deep because you can get in that thing and four hours later, still be sitting there looking at the numbers. So I think keep it simple with your guys and, uh, and dedicate 15, 20 minutes to look at yourself and that'll put you in a great position to be more prepared each week. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time out to spend some time here on the podcast. Definitely some great advice. I think that'll help coaches. Coaches, make sure you follow him on X. It's at Coach Vent. And I will share some resources he's put together. Does a tremendous job of teaching. Those will be in the description as well. Coach, again, thank you for your time. And we'll have to get you back on here, maybe even before the end of the season. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Keith. Appreciate all you do. In today's episode, we delved into all the ideas surrounding the self-scout with Coach Vint. It's a critical tool for offensive coordinators, helping you uncover the patterns, maximizing your strengths and weaknesses in your offense. And self-scouting isn't just about analyzing data. It's about turning that data into those actionable insights that evolve your strategy as the season progresses. By staying adaptable and one step ahead of your competition, the self-scout becomes the key to putting your offense in that position to win. Stay tuned as we explore efficient ways to dissect data and strategically implement wrinkles and adjustments to keep your offense at its peak performance. We'll be addressing this again later in the season. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for a catalog of season episodes and sign up there for our weekly tip sheet that condenses all of those into a three-minute weekly read in our newsletter.